Welcome to the Smarter Trading Podcast. If you want to sharpen your trading skills or become a more savvy investor, then you're in the right place. Every week, we sit down with professional traders who are ready to share practical insights on what it takes to succeed in modern day markets. Smarter Trading, the show to watch to trade smarter. Medeiros is the founder and CEO of The Trade Risk. All opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Evan or The Trade Risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Evan and guests may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Smarter Trading. I'm your host, Evan Medeiros. And today I am joined by Suri Tadella. Suri is the author of surrynotes.com and has been a private trader for the past 26 years. He uses proprietary pattern recognition models to trade, and his research has been reviewed and featured in Forbes, Barron's, Money Show, Active Trader, and that's just to name a few. Suri currently publishes a weekly magazine called Chart Pattern and Algo Trader. Suri, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. Great to be with you. Awesome. So, yeah, I've had the privilege of knowing uh, Suri for the past five years or so. He runs a local meetup group, uh, which is entirely online now. So we could probably even, you know, open it up to, to even more people. But it's the uh, Northwest Technical Traders Association. I've had the uh, honor of presenting there multiple times. We've traveled together um, to some different conferences to speak at, and uh, I've learned a tremendous amount from Surrey over these years. So I'm excited for this. And before we get into all the good stuff that's happening present day, take us back in time a little bit. Um, you got started back in the 90s. Talk to us about your background and how you got started. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my original background is uh, truly engineering, you know, but actually, before that engineering, I truly love mathematics. So I come from a family of, a, I guess all of them are engineers, but we are mathematicians primarily. So mathematics is, you know, in our, like all of us, every one of my family members, both my mom's side and my dad's side, we are all engineers. So we came, you know, to the U.S. A lot of us are in the U.S. and uh, we come to the U.S. for studies and then we continue on going for that. So primarily... When I came to the U.S., I came to study my uh, my passion was at that time was robotics. So because that was a you know if you remember it you know in um, in in late uh, I guess in the beginning 90s it was a robotics was just evolving it. In fact, today only I just saw the Boston Dynamics. Uh, they recently they just launched a new application. It was on CNBC today, and you know I still get incredibly nostalgic about it because I understand the logic and I understand that that part of the part of it. Although I left robotics in, uh, I guess in the uh, late 90s, I believe we'll call it. But robotics actually, that particular science actually taught me quite a few things. You know, first of all, it's a, it's a mechanical engineering. That's what my training is in. But also it's electrical engineering. It's an interdisciplinary field where you have a, you need to know electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, but on the top of it, computer science. So computer science, you know, it just brings back into it. But all the underlying is the mathematics kind of thing. So that's what got me into purely engineering, and I absolutely love that side of it. So that brought me to actually, uh, you know, being in the computer side of it. So I used to develop uh, these, 
uh, computer vision models for the for the robotics applications, and also like uh, some of the automation plan. I worked in different big industries, you know, where they would use these robotics as the main uh, platforms for them. So where, when I was there in uh, in nineties, the internet was just evolving at the time. So I was actually got hooked on it. I knew that I wanted to be doing something with the internet. I wanted to be. I knew that that would be the future. So I went and got a certification myself. At a, uh, so I knew a lot about the programming. So I learned myself about a lot of internet at that time, the basic coding. But then I, I got interested in actually some type of a securities, like, like internet security side of it. So I went and got a, a small degree for it, pretty much. You know, I, I got a, a, an official degree for like a security specialist. So that actually brought me to the other side of the industry, which is the programming side, but on the other side, it took me to a, a bank, which is actually where they need some type of security specialist. So I moved from robotic side to this banking side of it, where they were using this security, uh, they were using internet security. And that actually opened doors for me to get into a, a, an utility industry where they were building the, a utility platform where the power utilities are also traded like the stocks in the US. So that's actually my first entry into actually the trading side of it. So there I, I was around traders where I learned how to actually write, you know, these trading algorithms, which are mathematical algorithms, which I, as I said, you know, which I love mathematics. Uh, and then of course it's coding. And of course, you know, it's a direct, uh, you know, derivative is money underlying it. So I got hooked on to that in the 1990s and that's how I started trading in 1990s. Since that time, I became a trader for them and then uh, since that time I've been trading. That's how my that's how my passion is. And since then, I, as I said, I still love my engineering and robotics side, but it's, right now that is my problem. So you kind of fell into it a little bit. I mean, it wasn't necessarily exactly. on your radar. Absolutely, um, it wasn't. Because when I first went into it, I knew what they were doing it, but I wasn't sure. I, it's not my domain, right? It's someone else's domain. But when I was around traders, uh, there were traders who were actually purely traders. So they, where I could actually uh, learn from them and tell them that, you know, this can be coded. This can be done differently. And they, they were excited because they wanted to do that. They didn't know how to do it. And I was excited because I knew that they're both the mathematics and the coding side of it. So I would just kind of fell into it. And that's where I learned. I found my passion. Sometimes the destiny drives you. How did um, how did you actually get involved from there? What was the path to making right. your first trade and kind of set up that scene for us? Well, basically what happened was I was a trader uh, with them. So uh, quickly, within two years, what happened was the internet boom started coming in. If you look at it in the, in the late uh, 90s, you know, that's what you've probably seen the first, a Mozilla browser and, you know, first uh, involvement of, you know, smaller things of internet, you know, probably email is latching and then the first online brokers were starting in. So I actually got interested in with them and I was only writing algorithms for them. But then I got into, then they were showing me they were actually making money because right from beginning, the internet, you know, like in 1995, 96 time onwards, there was a lot of people who were trading. A lot of people who were actually investing in stocks and trading it. So some of these guys who actually took me under them, they taught me how to get onto these, how to actually use these, some of the things what they 
built it to trade it. So in uh, 1998, actually, I left left them, and then I I built a company for myself using my own knowledge of it. Not so much of the mathematics, not so so much about the markets, but I knew that you know I can build, I can automate some of the processes, these algorithms, and then we we built a company since 1998, and that was a fun company I formed in 1998. And we ran that until 2005. It became really, really popular in 1998 because we were actually part of the dot-com side of it at the time. So that's how we actually got into the trading. And since that time, I've been trading full time. You mentioned that these are pattern recognition models. What kinds of patterns are they recognizing? Fantastic. So while I am, as I said, you know, my, my background is in mathematics. Well, specifically, not only mathematics, it's also... So when I look at the chart patterns and now I look at a lot of geometric based patterns. The geometric patterns based patterns are as simple as, you know, rectangles and triangles to complex patterns like, you know, uh, if you were to take uh, things like, you know, uh, uh, harmonic patterns like a Gartley's and butterflies and, and then the series of patterns and the embedding of the patterns type of thing. So these are the patterns, you know, they have a lot of different factors which go into actually detecting these points. So I built this, I did a lot of research. I went through probably at least 10 different models and finally figured out a true understanding of these patterns comes from the geometry side of it. So that geometry actually gives you a way to optimize it. Geometry gives you a validity reasons. So that's how I found it to be, these are geometric patterns. So when I built it. So when I run an algorithm now, it actually goes and finds the best pattern now, at this point, which is forming, which is tradable. So you don't want a pattern which happened like a, a month ago or even yesterday. You want a pattern what's happening now, whether it could be in a real time or whether it could be an end of day data. This is this is pretty amazing. And, and you know, when you first started, you know, when I first got to know you and you were telling me about this, I don't think I fully appreciated the the, the engineering that went into uh, something like this. So just to sort of give this a, a broader uh, emphasis here, these what Suri actually has built out here is a pattern recognition uh, recognition engine that is, you know, looking for uh, these very long established patterns like head and shoulders and falling wedges and flags, ABC patterns. And he has an engine that will essentially um, go out and seek the highest quality, uh, best opportunities based on those patterns. So um, before we go deeper into that, how long do you know the history? How long have these patterns been around? Absolutely. If you want to go back and look at the pattern, you know, the, I actually was interested in that particular question because I wanted to know the, the true history of it. The one of the first books when I started reading about the patterns, because first of all, I realized that I had to leverage my understanding of the mathematics. And that truly comes from, then I said, well, I don't need to go and search on, you know, someone else's models. I need to search on my own. So I did a pretty deeper study of understanding what are the basic pattern structures which form. So, you know, in 1950s, there was a, 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 a an analyst called H.M. Gartley. He published a book. He actually talked about a few patterns. But actually, if you look at all, as far as 1915s and 
20s, there's a book called a Richard Schabacker's book, which, which is now it's actually re republished and someone else kind of rewrote parts of the book. But some of the examples of these pattern structures, in fact, some of the best examples of the pattern structures were actually given in 1940s. So and I still have that book and it's amazing. But in fact, anyone whoever uh, talks to me about patterns, I tell them, if you really want to understand it, there's a lot of great books out there, but I would say that go back and it's actually easily available on Amazon. Um, someone else, as I said, recently published again. So that book is one of the best book to read it. And I think since that time, there's a lot of newer theories have come. Uh, so harmonic patterns is something later, even though Gartley actually talked about harmonic patterns, but actually the true idea of a, uh, applying the Fibonacci ratios to the harmonic patterns was given by, in my, my book, Scott Carney did a phenomenal work. And he has also published a lot of, lot of books and uh, his work is, uh, so I actually learned incredible amount of, of that from his books. So there's uh, some great books out there and great theories. Uh, there's a lot of people publish it too. So, so that's my contribution to it is I actually wanted to take these patterns and build some type of a, a standardized rules because what we have is every lot of analysts have their own rules. What we don't have is a standardized ways to say, you know, how far the head and shoulders should go, you know, what is the width should be, you know, even cup and handle, you know, what should be the width of the analyst. So that's my research. So that should be my contribution to that. And and that's and that's awesome. And and that's why I consider you the the pattern king. And 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 this is why I'm always very careful in my analysis to use these labels and use these patterns because I know that there's a lot that goes into the right ones. Like there's, there's a time sequence to it. There's a certain depth and ratio. All of these things matter. And I guess I'm curious um, because, you know, for the longest time, uh, and maybe I think this is, maybe this is standard belief, but when I, when I think of patterns, it was always something that felt like uh, an art to me where you're sort of like looking at the screen and you're, you know, it's that art form of, yeah, this looks like, uh, you know, the proper, you know, head and shoulders or whatever pattern you want to label it. But you've clearly taken that. And you, like you just mentioned, you wanted to help standardize that you've brought it more to the science side. So I guess um, the question is, 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 is it a problem if people are treating this like an art? Is there a danger there for people yes. to interpret it? I think this is the issue with the pattern recognition is because for historically, you know, if you have a, let's say a simple stochastics or a, you know, or, a, or an indicator like MACD, these are based on a very simple mathematical formulas, right? Where you could write these things in like three, four lines of code, right? and supply the data feeds to it. And it would give you the results of a, whether histogram or a curve or something, right? So where you can go and analyze these parts of it. And then whether you have a mathematical background or a, you do not have it, you can easily grasp this concept saying, hey, when this number is about 70, it's an overbought. When its number is below 20, it's an oversold. And then you buy these crossovers. So these are very simple concepts and they can be easily coded in a, in a, a simple equations in a, you could do it in Excel, you could do it in any simplest of languages. So that's how the indicators evolve. But whereas a pattern recognition, when pattern recognition is now you're talking about 
a series of points to say, not just drawing the point A to point B to point C and say that there is a pattern structure. It's actually saying what's the validity of it, right? So now it becomes a complex thing. So the people who are not of a mathematical background, they just quickly discard it, saying, oh, this is like a voodoo art. We can, because basically they think that you're just connecting different points or saying something as simple as, you know, pointing at a cloud and saying that, you know, I found some pattern structure there type of thing, right? So it's like that. That's what they think that that's what you may be doing it. But it's actually not true because if you look at what, why do patterns form? Why do patterns actually are repeatable? Why do patterns are reliable, at least in my book, right? The reason is because these po the points which it's actually using on this pattern structure, they are actually the key nodal points which are formed because of the supply and demand points, right? That's where the inflection points are happening. When the price came to a certain point, you know, it bounced off because people remember that that is the best price to buy. When it went to a certain point and then it's reversed it, and that they think that is the best one. So these are the reasons why so when you connect these two points and draw two trend lines, now it becomes like a channel, right? So it's the same way you have a different pattern structures. There's a lot of them like a cup and hand and so now based on the similar type of logic. So unless you understand this domain very well, right? And unless you are, you're not afraid to learn it. Some people, uh, even though without mathematics background, they can easily tackle geometric pattern, and they've seen charts, and they have, they have studied charts in all their life, they can, they can grasp that side of it. But some people who do not understand it, then what happens is because you do not know which is the right pattern, because you can force patterns. You know, if you, if you squint it and look at a, you know, a chart, you know, then it looks like, well, you can say, well, there is a head and shoulders, even though they may not be head and shoulders. And obviously that will not result in a right result for you. Right, if you trade that basically based on that, so that's the problem. Basically, because of that reason, uh, I would say that you know people need to understand it. People just need to understand, not necessarily all of them, just understand a couple of patterns, one or two, and then study them so well, so that way they can understand exactly whether it's valid or not valid pattern, and can you actually trade them? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's the old. Um, I mean, in in some in in some respects, I mean, you're automating this process to sort of uh, protect your own self too and your own biases, right? You don't want to squint at a chart hard enough and say, yeah, you know, this this supports my narrative. I, I should be long this stock. There's a proper base here. You actually have the rules to help you, you know, yes, no, right. Yes. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And the reason you touched upon there, um, these patterns have been around for decades. They're going to continue to be around. And the reason they're important, the reason they work because it's based on underlying supply and demand principles, right? Absolutely. I mean, That's right. these, these, like you say, they have the, the significant inflection points, people, traders pay attention to it. And, um, that's why they repeat. And that's why they sort of continue to work. Um, I want to talk a little bit, cause I've heard you talk about morphing patterns or patterns that sometimes, you know, looks like they're developing one way, but then they sort of transition. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Imagine this, right? Because just because we have a set of rules which should conform to a pattern structure, it doesn't automatically mean that the prices of the markets need to follow that 
to the teeth, right? Because when when there is a bearish markets are happening, you know the any kind of a uh, you know a, a bullish pattern will fail. So when that happens, we need to really understand that because patterns is nothing but a tool. It's like a how you use a any type of indicator or a or a, or a setup in any analysis. None of this is you know a hard science. Say that you know. Because there is a, a, a channel form, because there is a channel breakup happen, it doesn't mean that it's exactly going to go to you know the targets which we wanted it to achieve it. Because of that reason, you always have to keep in mind that these patterns could be forming some other pattern structure too. So what I do not do in my science, and I found it to be uh, completely valid, is what I do not do is if I have a, a structure which is supported by this another concept kind of market context, which I talk about it too. Uh, in market, if, if it is supported by the market context in that particular time frame, and which actually absolutely validates it, and if I'm interested in taking the trade, I take the trade and then I would not think about looking at the other stuff, you know, like saying that, well, in other time frame, something else is happening. So I am not a big fan of the multiple time frames. Although I think it's a valid theory, but I don't want to mix them together. Let's just suppose if you're trading a, a daily chart and thinking that, oh, in a weekly chart, it's showing me a bearish pattern, something else, and maybe I should think about that. That only confuses people pretty much. Especially imagine that if you have a, 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 a discretionary trader and you have these multiple charts showing you different, different things. It's almost like wearing, you know, four different watches on your hand. You don't know what time it is. You know, because all of them will probably show you different types. So that's that's the So you have to be willing to adapt. You also have talked about um, patterns that fail. And so there, you know, to me, when I first heard that, I just assumed, well, you put on a trade pattern fails. You, I guess you get stopped out and that's it. But you actually seem to believe that there's something you can learn from that, right? Like you have Absolutely. information from failed patterns. Talk to us about that. Right. So the fail patterns also actually are, are actually, sometimes they're actually far better trades than the pattern itself when it's forming. One of the reasons is the pattern when, when it's forming in, let's just suppose if it took a, almost like four weeks for it to form, right? So your expectation should be, it, in order for it to reach at least your first decent target is four weeks, a basic rule, right? But let's just suppose if a pattern failed, right? When the patterns fail and then actually break down below those, you know, the, the trend, support, uh, trend support lines, it actually gives you a profit, you know, far, far quicker. So now these patterns are a lot more uh, vigorous and they trade on the opposite side much more faster. So in that case, sometimes the failed patterns are better. So it doesn't mean that you can always do this because sometimes, you know, as I said, patterns form, they fail and then they reform and they refail. So you do need to completely consider one particular point is, you always need to say that I'm trading a pattern which is happening here because of a certain market context condition, right? So if the market context is also failing, right? Let's just suppose, let's just suppose you have a pattern structure which is about 200 period moving average, let's say. And then if the pattern failed and it's also falling below 200, now you have two, two points saying that this is actually going to be, it's absolutely a failure. 
right? Because in order for it to reform, you need to have two things. The price has to retrade it back above 200 period. And also the pattern needs to form in the same type of structure, what it was in order for you to trade it. So these things may not happen. So in that case, you do need to understand that is it happening just because of a, a temporary, you know, like a two, three bars, or is it going to be continuous type of thing? If you look at, for example, take these, uh, most of these Chinese uh, stocks in the last two weeks, right? All of these Chinese stocks have performed significantly well in the uh, end of uh, end of the year and all the, almost into the last two months of it. But just in the last two weeks, majority of the patterns, if you look at take uh, Baidu, uh, NTES, Boizun, uh, KWeb, all these stocks were showing one single pattern, right? Which was a head and shoulder patterns, right? Um, when I started thinking about it and when I started talking to friends, very few, few people actually believed that these things are actually going to break down because there was no news which is coming from there because we thought the China would continue to perform. But all of them were showing the same pattern structure and they all failed. And they all fail and they fail. So they all broke down and they all continued in the same direction. And even not even today, it's happened the same thing too. So that's what is the key is to understand the failure side of it, you know, to see what's happening. And you can also see from different market structures or different indexes to see, you know, whether this pattern works out or not. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, it shows, it shows someone here that has sort of mastered the, this style of trading because when I talk with traders that maybe consider themselves pattern traders, they they get very bought in and emotional on a single pattern, right? There's a right. there's this beautiful cup and handle, you know, forming over the past one month or two months or three months. Um, but when I hear you talk about this, I mean, the ability to adapt, the ability to recognize patterns morph, the ability to recognize patterns fail. I mean, it clearly shows someone that is taking hundreds, thousands of these and, and, Absolutely. and, and you're looking at the long-term success rate and you've done that. You've actually broken out success rates amongst Absolutely. patterns, right? Yep. Without a doubt. So that's, uh, I think a super, uh, important distinction for anyone that's, you know, either starting out or, or, you know, trading patterns, um, themselves. Now, Along that same line, market context, I probably hear you talk about market context just as much as patterns okay. themselves. Talk to me about market context. What is it? Why is it important for pattern trading? As I said, in my, you know, when I first started learning about just about markets or anything, right? You know, I knew nothing of market context. Although we were learning market context, the market context is something which Every trader has a theory. Like a, you say that, you know, when the, hey, there is a 50 period moving average crossing 200 period, you know, it becomes a golden cross and it's actually going to trend up. So, or when the, it's coming down, you know, it's going to trend down. Or, it, or people talk about prices actually bouncing off of pivots or, a, you know, uh, reaching a support or, a, or reaching like a previous, uh, you know, um, price points or a, previous new highs or previous new lows. So all this is a context. It's a basically context everyone knows about. It. But what people don't know is the markets actually, the prices fluctuate between these levels. And that's what actually, when you point, the, when you connect these two and form a pattern, and then that's what I call it the market context. 
so that every pattern must be supported by a true context. That means you don't want to take bearish patterns in a bullish markets, right? When the, when the patterns are, let's just suppose if you do see a bearish pattern, you do want to make sure that the price is actually breaking down any period moving out. You can say 50 or 200, whatever is your favorite. It needs to trade below that point before you can call that as a bearish pattern, right? So that particular point is a, is a market context point, right? So when you look at a price structures and then when it's bouncing off of a, let's say 200 period moving average, but also let's say it's also moving up, bouncing off of a, a pivot. If it could be a, a daily pivot or a monthly pivot or some type of pivot structure. Now you're talking about two points which is actually bouncing off of it. And that is part of the market context. So every pattern must have a, a why did the price actually bounce off of a certain point? You must see what is it there? Why? So let's just suppose if you do find something, some support line, then you know that that is a valid point. That is a valid reason why it bonds. So now you can say it has three points, three critical points, and all these three points bounced off of certain levels or rising from certain levels. Now you can say that this pattern is probably valid. So that's what I look at it. When I'm reading, when I'm looking at the patterns, I'm only pattern because patterns are all automated for me, completely automated. So, but I'm actually studying this market context to see. Why is this happening? Because I, I truly need to understand the pattern structure for me to trade it. At least I think everybody should be using it. So I also think most people should spend a lot more time understanding the context than a setup or a pattern or any, any of this. Because they, as I said, these patterns are forming all the time, but you do understand what's happening surrounding. That's, that's what actually gives you the success. Do you think someone could be successful trading patterns without any market context. If you just let your algorithms run just on patterns, no care for what the market's doing, what are your thoughts on what the results would look like? Well, the answer, according to me, is absolutely not. Okay? Because, as I said, there, there are two things can happen. You know, a pattern structures can be smaller structures, larger structures, kind of thing. But I also know there is no pattern which I can tell you that which is 100% right, right? And many patterns have just about 50 to 60% success rates. That's it, right? So in a trading, if you're talking about just a one-dimensional piece, which is just saying that it's just a geometric structure, but it doesn't have anything else to it, right? So I can bet you your success will be far below 50% or even far less than, I would say 30, 40%. So that's not, that's not considered to be success in my book. Yeah, so important. Um, patterns on intraday timeframes, they obviously exist. Um, are they worthwhile? Are they as successful as the daily and weekly charts? Yes. Um, when we're talking about a patterns, like when at least you know, when I talk about patterns, patterns have a, both the breadth and the width you know, structures. So if you have a, a, an intraday time frame, let's say take one minute time frame, one minute time frame, and then if you see either an ABC or a rectangles or any of them, so they must have a proper uh, breadth in order for it to actually form. And also you definitely do not want to take two, three bar patterns or a, 
you know, smaller pattern structures and saying that, you know, I want to compute the success on it because you may find two, two times, three times, but seven times you probably will not happen. So it is absolutely valid to do it in an intraday time frame. Uh, I have done it. I used to do it in the, even a, a, even a sub minute charts, like a tick charts or even a range bar charts, uh, but those are alternate charts. But I would think that they're more, more successful if you, if you find a, a properly, proper width and proper depth. They are the same rules apply in there and i think they are valid in the daytime that's great to know and still you you'd want that market context i'm sure you'd want that oh, strong day absolutely. or Without right in, in fact in a, in a in a daily time frame sorry in an intraday time frame you have a few more great tools out there which you can use it because you know if you look at a daily let's let's suppose if you're only looking at a daily charts right daily charts you know you can go and look at you know what happened on the market at the end of the day, you know, how many advances are there? How many decliners are there? You know, what, what happened with, uh, uh, you know, some of the financials happening or some of the, uh, you know, the transportation sectors and all that. You can get that data to form it. But you can actually see this data happening in real time in an intraday, right? And you also have a various components of a volatility changing from one zone to other zone because that's what the prices are moving. And so all those things you can actually, you can find those tools in intraday. I'm not saying that people should trade intraday uh, automatically. I think intraday is a lot more difficult than the trading daily. I would say that intraday traders need to be thoroughly, thoroughly understand the markets uh, before they put their money into it. I've traded, I still trade it intraday futures, but I would say that it's definitely not not easy. And it's a, it's a lot more taxing on, on your, uh, I guess brain pretty much to trade them. Yeah, that is a uh, reoccurring tidbit of advice, especially, you know, from someone seasoned like yourself, you know, everybody loves the the quick day trading, you know, let's make oh, a quick yeah. buck, let's trade some weekly options, but um, it's, it cuts both ways. It is very difficult to do well, so. Well, you know, some, some people are fortunate and they do find great trades and, uh, um, but I tell you what, in the long run, it doesn't make them a, a true day trader or trader. There are some people who are brilliant, without a doubt. I've seen some greatest trades, uh, traders out there, uh, day traders. Uh, but, you know, the, the record is not that great, too. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um, so as we sort of wind down the, ch the uh, discussion on the charts, um, the one thing I wanted to touch on was just the classification of uh, chart patterns. I think, uh, in fact, you've done uh, uh, an interview and uh, in blog on the site on the trade risk in the past. And I think you've talked about continuation patterns and reversal patterns in terms of um, just classifying patterns. E is either more, um, uh, has a higher success rate or is, is what are, are there different rules to attack kind of the reversal versus the confirmation? I don't know. We can put you know continuous to reversal and saying that which one is better. But let me let me talk about you know what are the best way how these things could work. You know, uh, technically a continuation is it's a continuation of the prior uh, trend form prior to forming this pattern. So let's just suppose if you have a, um, a rectangle pattern, you do look at you know what was the trend before. Let's just suppose if the trend is up and it's moving up and it's, it's had a consolidation and gave you a, a rectangle pattern, you expect that trend to continue from the prior trend, which is a go up. It will break out and go. 
So that's a continuation pattern. Whereas reversal patterns are pattern actually trending up and then it consolidates and forms a structure, like take example, like a head and shoulders. It, you know, it's trending up and then it makes, you know, these three peaks and then make, then it stops and then it reverses and it continues on the other direction. And that's called a reversal patterns. So each of them have its own merits and each of them have its own strengths. So the point we do need to understand is you do you need to know that that it is a continuation pattern, it's a reversal pattern. So that way you can you can kind of your expectations are you don't know which way it's going to break up. So let's say suppose if I'm studying head and shoulders, you need to know that head and shoulders is a reversal pattern, it's expected to reverse from here. Right? So the success is individually that different. And again, success, when I talk about success and failures of the patterns, I'm not just talking about a pattern by itself, purely vanilla patterns. I'm actually adding that using the market context and actually only taking the valid patterns and then saying what percentage of them actually even trigger a trade, what percent of them actually get to the target one, and what is a target two, and how many of them fail. That's that's how I look at it, the success and failure, rather than me giving and saying, oh, well, they 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 say they're successful 70%. It doesn't mean anything because it's basically tells you that 70% of the time of what? 70% of the time it could be, you know, which which size of it. So it needs to have a lot more confidence. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um anything change in a big way from you know 15, 20 years ago when you were starting looking at patterns um to where they are now? I mean, have have there been any big structural changes? Um, I don't I, I think the patterns which have uh, been studying for a long time, and of course in the last uh, 10, 12 years, I am a I became completely harmonics pattern stater. I trade a lot of harmonic patterns. The only thing I have seen is that some of the greater tools in the market context, which have come across, which have evolved theories, which have been really, really great. But I don't think I've seen a newer patterns. You know, there's always some people come out with something else, but it just morphed into something else before or added two of them together type of structure. But I think the primary, the basic structure has not changed. It's almost like about the price structures, you know, at times in the price structures change. But it's actually basically the same open, high, low, and a volume, and it has a time component, and it trades one day faster, one day slower, and that's about it. So it's it's pretty much the same structures as I've seen it. I would think. Yeah, there, there, we have enough patterns. We don't need any more. That's kind of what you're oh, <laughs> you're thinking, I, right? I that's what I, I I also think. You know, I wrote a book on patterns. You know, which, which I talked about sixty five different patterns. But to be honest, there are. Nobody really can trade 65 patterns. In fact, I probably trade less than 10, and that too is too much, I think. Okay. I, I would think, you know, anybody who is learning it, they should learn like one or two of their interests, and you, that itself is enough for you to success. success, you know, because if you look at Linda Rashkis, he says you only need one setup or one pattern to really be successful, and she's absolutely right. So as we wind down here, a uh, little bit of a curveball question, but you've been trading for you know almost 30 years now. What does successful trading look like to you? Uh, what does it mean to you now uh, to be a successful trader in your shoes? Pretty good question. Well, 
you know, first of all, as I said, success is basically for me is I truly, truly enjoy what I do. You know, I, I get up every day at three o'clock in the morning. Okay? And I, everybody surprises that, hey, you know, you've been doing this for so long. You know, how could you do it? As I said, I can't wait to get to my computer, whether it's uh, developing a trading model, whether it's testing a model, whether it's trading a model, right? So, and I am pretty much my own boss, so I really do not answer. And this is my living. I make a pretty good living from my trading. And uh, so for me, that that is a success. So basically, I, I found my happiness and I found my passion. Uh, there are times, and of course, I also went through different types of in the life. So I know what it is, but I actually succeeded in that side of it. For me, that is the success. Um, you know, you can you can put a number to it or you can just not say, you know, that this is it. And I also published hundreds of articles and I write every day and I publish a magazine. I build these automation tools. That's what is my pleasure is, you know. So, and then I trade all day, you know, right from six o'clock in the morning until one o'clock, you know, on, on the West Coast our time. So that's what gives me pleasure. That's, that is my happiness. And then I have a lot of clients and I've talked to a lot of friends like you, and, you know, that, that is the, that's, that's my pleasure. And that's what I call the success. That's great. That's so great. Is there anything we didn't talk about today or anything else on your mind that we felt that you felt we left out either? I think, I think uh, we definitely talked about quite a, quite a bit of important things, which is the greatest thing. I always say that, you know, anybody who is just getting started or who's struggling out there, what I, what I truly think is you truly find a passion. It need not be a pattern. You know, it can be a setup or a, uh, it could be even a, someone else's newsletter let's say, right? Or you find your own calling basically by actually making, internalizing that particular knowledge for yourself. So you do have to put a lot of time into it and a lot of effort. And then don't think that you can learn all the subjects. Nobody can. I I probably know 0.1% of the entire trading knowledge of it. So I would say that, you know, just grasp onto that rather than looking at every single book or every guru out there or a reading everything about it because yes, you do need to read in order to find your passion. But after some time, you have to literally go and completely become an expert in one particular area. I think that's something a lot of traders miss it because that's the reason a lot of traders are frustrated because they're not uh, completely honing their own skill rather than just looking at someone else. Thanks, Uri. This was great. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work or just stay on top of what you're up to? My website is surinotes.com uh, and, uh, and uh, my email is surinotes at gmail.com uh, too. But I also have a, uh, I also, as I said, I, I publish a magazine and I am I'm on stock tweets and I'm on Twitter. Uh, I post almost daily on their uh, websites and my handle is surinotes. So it's easy to search if you can just Google search on Suri notes and you'll find everything about my information out there. So. Yeah, so he's been around for a while. He has uh, published lots of work. So any of you that are interested in this topic at all, uh, I would highly recommend checking out uh, his social handles and his website. So that's it, folks. All the notes and links from this episode can be found on the blog at thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. 
For those of you who are listening to this as a podcast in audio only, uh, be sure to visit the YouTube channel for this episode because Suri and I are about to look at a handful of charts. He's going to break down a few of those patterns that he looks at every single day uh, and dig into his process a little bit more. So tune in there for the extended version. Thank you, Ewan. This was a blast. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Smarter Trading. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For all of the show notes, links, and callouts, head on over to thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. Got questions or want to leave a comment? Visit this episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash thetraderisk to join the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps the show get discovered by more people. Smarter Trading is hosted by me, Evan Medeiros, and produced by Ashton Alexander. You can share your feedback with us by emailing podcast at thetraderisk.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you in the next episode.